Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am your host, Wes Easley, and as always on Saturday mornings for my second cup of coffee, I am joined by John Frisella. How are you today, John? It's so funny that you say that, Wes, because I was about to make an announcement. This is my first ever show without a cup of coffee in my entire life. This dates back to I used to do radio stuff years ago, and we've been doing the podcast all year and all season. I have not had a cup of coffee today. We've been doing stuff around the house. Oh I went God. in the kitchen. I went to make a pot. Nothing. It's all gone. I had no idea. I completely finished everything. So we're just winging it, man. I might fall asleep. You might hear some snoring during this episode. Now, is that going to make you ornery and grouchy? Or is that going to, like like you said, make you go to sleep? Because if I didn't have a cup of coffee, I don't I don't really know. I'm, I'm just moody is what I am. I'm moody. Listen, because we're talking basketball today and my nets are doing well, I'm in a good mood about that. But in general, I'm grouchy. I'm working working like a dog. This is our busy time of year, so I've been seven days a week. I'm exhausted. As you guys know, the baby's coming soon. We've been getting stuff ready at the house. It's just uh, I, I'm running on fumes, and we got to do some painting today. It's uh, Yeah, so I'm a little grouchy, but the nets make me feel better. Speaking of exhausted, John, I, I, I get this vibe from across the country right now. It may just be because I'm, I'm in the little area that I'm in. I don't know why I get this vibe. Maybe it's looking at Twitter, news reports, just different things like this. With all the different weather that we've had over this past week, you know, snow here in the south and, and uh, just, just tumultuous weather all over the place, I really get the vibe that across America – we're kind of getting beat down. We're we're getting tired. We're getting we're just you know we're just like we've had enough of all this non-fun between COVID, between winter, now the weather and spring. I just get the vibe that everybody's getting beat down. Yes, no, you're absolutely right. When I was because I go to my office every other day because we have too many people, so we have COVID restrictions. We can't have everybody there all at once. Every single person, when I see them in the last two or three times I've been to the office, has been complaining nonstop about snow removal. I mean, I don't know how bad you guys got it there, but the first storm that we had here about two weeks ago was over two feet. So I talk about I I shoveled for like seven hours over three separate occasions. So and that's the front back of the property. I had no help. Obviously, I'm doing it all with a shovel. I don't have a snowblower. We just moved in. So I don't have that yet. So that's brutal. All the people are complaining. Like you said, everybody looks exhausted everybody's eyes are heavy. Um, it's, it's definitely exhausting. And then we here, we've been getting snow every other day. We had snow four times this week. I shoveled another eight times this week. So between that and the work in the seven days and everybody's got all this stress. I mean, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. I agree a hundred percent. I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know if it's going to be springtime, if it's going to be able to see baseball and sunshine on TV screens. I don't know what it's going to take to be able to get the country back into a, a pattern of uh, I don't, a dominance, worldwide dominance for the United <laughs> States of America. But, you know, Joe Biden talks about unity and everything. I'm not sure that that's all coming together right now at this point. But but I, I tell you, we got to pick up the bootstraps. We got to all get back up together again. And it seemed like one of those events for America to all unite, especially on Twitter and other things was the Super Bowl, John. We haven't even talked since the Super Bowl and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating the Kansas City Chiefs. Give me your overall thoughts of what happened during that Sunday. Yeah, I mean, overall, well, first of all, I agree. I mean, I was so excited at the beginning when Brad Pitt did the little speech about Tom Brady and and Pat Mahomes at the beginning of the game right before it started. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a classic. I'm amped up for this crap. And then all of a sudden, the game starts, and it was over before it even started. It was just an absolute nightmare. I mean, look, we talked, you and JB and I talked the previous game about the referees 
and how these playoffs, they've been letting guys play. Uh, two things on this. One is the Buccaneers dominated the game plain and simple. They were going to win this game no matter what. But here's where we come from as fans that are not JB, that are not Bucks fans, and they're not Chiefs fans. We just want to see the game be close and be competitive. When you call 12 flags versus one in the first three quarters, I don't even care what they are. I don't even care if the calls are right. You got to let some of them go so we can watch a game that's competitive. Nobody, I mean, it was the most boring Super Bowl other than the Broncos and the Seahawks, right? When the Seahawks blew them out in the first five minutes of the game. I mean, that game was over in two possessions. That was the worst Super Bowl I've ever seen. Other than that, this was the most boring Super Bowl because even when you have one like New England and the Rams where it was like 10-3 and it was low scoring, at least we weren't sure who was going to win the game. It was a one-score game. This game was over early in the second quarter. Every single call is going against the Chiefs. The Bucs are dominating the game anyway, so why do they have to pile it on with the flags? So my biggest complaint was it was completely lopsided on the flags, and the Bucs deserve to win. Can't take anything away from them. The Chiefs got physically dominated on both sides of the ball. So that's the takeaways. I would have liked to see half the flags that we saw, and I'd like to see a closer game so I didn't have to check out mentally in the second half. Yeah, it, the the game got out of hand quick, and it was just a DFS daydream for me. I mean, I I, I mentioned I think Gronk during that time. It was a good Sunday for me because I had mentioned Gronk. I don't think I ever built a lineup around Gronk. I ended up putting Fournette in the captain spot, but then uh, my daughter got to experience the heartbreaking loss of Patrick Mahomes that Sunday afternoon, and so I was I was just a happy man all the way around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's- your daughter be upset that's that's sick that is sick Wes but you know what you know what's funny is all year I've been able to sway you on the picks against the spread with good reason based on the final results looking at our standing so that was good that you went along with me and yet you were the one who said I'm liking Gronk as a play here and I immediately backed you up and said you know what we can go back and listen to the tape from that last show you should make Gronk the captain of your showdown team you're gonna make a lot of money and guess what? The person that won the million had Gronk as the captain. So well, that, that could have been you, my friend. Yeah, yeah, it could have been me. I don't think he won a million, though. What did you say? He ended up winning like 400 bucks or something, 20, yeah, 40 no, bucks? No, 4,400. 4, so <laughs> okay. he, he was the first place winner, but so many people had the exact same lineup, which we also talked about on the last show, that that was going to happen no matter what because there was like 375,000 entries. So even the people that are being smart and playing Gronk as the captain, which was only about 3%, if I remember the percentages on that, they still had the same lineup because they took Gronk and then they would put the obvious guys with them, right? They put like Fournette and Hill and Kelsey. So they all had the same lineup. uh, So they ended up splitting it. But still, that was on a $15 entry. They won $4,400. That could have been you. It could have been me. I, 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 it's hard for me to play fifteen dollar entries. I'm more of a one dollar and a quarter kind of a guy. So I cleaned up. I got twelve bucks that afternoon. I got twelve bucks. <laughs> got yourself a nice loaf of bread with that. Hey, you can follow me on Twitter, Wes Easley at Loafing It on Twitter. Don't forget to follow John Frisella at uh, Legend Sports Seven, and you can also follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore on Twitter as well. But we're here to talk about basketball today, John. Basketball is primed up; it is ready; it is rolling. The season has uh, so far been a pretty good success, I believe. And I know that you're a happy capper because your Brooklyn Nets are really on fire right now at this point. Right. Aren't you tired of hearing me complain about the Jets? I mean, well, we both do it. You complain about the Bears and I complain about the Jets. Well, guess what? No complaining over here, baby. I've been staying up late. That's another reason why I'm tired. On top of all the shoveling and the work and the baby coming in the house, all this stuff, I've been staying up because the Nets have been playing on the West Coast. So to watch those games on the East Coast, they're starting at 10, 15 p.m. And we've been so hot. 
It's been so hot that I can't go to sleep. So I stay up until 1.45. I watch us win. I'm all amped up. That gives me another 15 minutes of energy. And then I go to sleep at 2 o'clock, and then I get up at 6 o'clock for work. So, But, hey, no complaints because even with Durant being out right now, James Harden is an MVP candidate, absolutely dominating the game. And what people don't realize, he does it on both sides. He's been rebounding a lot as well, getting triple doubles every other game. So it's not just about scoring and shooting threes. He's doing it in other aspects of the game. So he's been out of this world unbelievable. Kyrie's been playing like every other game, you know, with the injuries and the mental issues that he has and whatnot. But when he plays, nobody can guard him. Kevin Durant, I think, said that Kyrie's the most skilled offensive player he's ever seen in his career. That's what Kevin Durant said, and he's seen a lot. So, you know, those two guys have been doing what they do. And the the key and what people don't realize and what I can tell you watching the Nets myself every game is part of the reason why they're playing so well right now is all what Charles Barkley would call the others, right? Not the James Hardens and the Durants and the Kyrie Irvings. We have a guy named Landry Shamit who came from the 76ers and the Clippers, who's been shooting well from three and playing with a lot of energy. We got Timothy Luabu Cabarro, also from the Sixers. Um, He's been playing well from the outside. We got DeAndre Jordan on the inside, as you know. We got Jeff Green, the Wiley veteran power forward. So we've been getting these other guys playing really well, whereas, for example, we played against the Lakers and we beat them up the other night. All of their quote-unquote other guys stunk. Every single one of them couldn't rebound, couldn't dribble, couldn't make a shot, and we were just beating them up with the extra guys. So that's been the story is the the two guys up top, sometimes the three guys, but really getting good contributions from the bench. Okay, so as we get into this, one of the things that I noticed is you were pronouncing names properly because that's what John Frisella does. (laughs) I I have my own names for these people, right? I I mean, I I could get Landry Shamat. I I mean, I get it out right all the way all the time. But like the the Timothy Lou Carew or whatever you said <laughs> in my Luabu brain. Cabarro. Hey, well, excuse me. Uh, he is he is TLC. That's just what I call him. He's TLC in my brain. So as we go through here, I hope the vernacular, my vernacular, my names that I call people will eventually rub off on everybody and they'll understand who I'm talking about. Okay, so that's what I'm hoping. You said Kyrie Irving has mental issues. What do you mean? He just he he needs mental breaks. Yeah, he needs mental breaks. So he he <laughs> is ta- – I don't know if you've been reading about any of this. He took like seven games yeah. off at one point um, just because of – like you said. You know, it's a great example of what you said. He's just beat down. He's run down. Like, he, yeah, he might make $30 million a year playing basketball, but when he's not playing basketball, he's a very sensitive guy, and he's very in tune with everything that's going on. So between the COVID and the social justice – and the political issues, it's very overwhelming for him when he's not playing. It doesn't affect his basketball at all. He Every time you watch him play, he looks like the same guy from the Cavaliers and from the Celtics. It's the same guy. But once he gets off the court, he's very disillusioned. So every once in a while, he needs a night off to just regroup, which sounds silly, but I can guarantee you, number one, the Nets are going to be in the playoffs. Number two, he's not going to be doing that in the playoffs. So if he's going to take some games off, it's going to have to be now. So I understand. And I give credit to like Duran and Harden. They seem to totally understand. Like all these people that don't understand from the outside that aren't like in watching Brooklyn play and really paying attention to the local news. They're like, oh, Harden and Durant are going to get frustrated. They don't realize every time one of those guys checks out of the game, they go over to the bike, you know, and they go on the bike and they stay loose. Mm -hmm. And the three of them sit together and they're joking around and they're laughing. They're having a great time. So these guys are really close friends, all three of them. So they understand that if Kyrie wants to take a game off now, that's fine because he's going to be there in the playoffs. So you got to think about long term when you think about the Nets. 
Yeah, Kyrie's a, a very unique individual. I would love to talk to Kyrie. I think him and I would sit there and watch, was, what was that movie, Inception? We would watch that yes. movie together, and we would just get into <laughs> some great conversations. Have you ever seen him, like, before games, he'll go into an arena, and he'll start putting, like, uh, incense around the arena and stuff like that? Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> No, I haven't. No, I haven't noticed that, but I'll tell you one that's exactly that puts him to a T. It was when he first came to the Nets. It was an early game of the year, and you know Julius Randle, right? Julius Randle from yeah. the Knicks. He's a very intense player. Right. Uh, so there was a play where they just grazed each other near the sideline, and Julius Randle was like all hot, you know, like he was on steroids. He was like juiced. He's like he got in Kyrie's face, and the the slow motion replay showed Kyrie take the basketball. Hand it to him very gently and say, it's just basketball, bro. Relax. That's what he said to him just like that. <laughs> he just told Julius Randle, calm down, bro. It's only basketball. There's bigger things in life. So that that's Kyrie in a nutshell. James Harden, I, I, I watch him, and he's a very unique individual playing mm-hmm. basketball, right? He's not mm-hmm. he's not a big guy. He's getting these triple doubles. He almost averaged a triple double, I think, that year that Westbrook ended up doing that. It was kind of those two guys doing that uh, every night in, night out. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at James Harden recently, before the trade, there was that picture that was going around on Twitter of him in that light blue outfit, and he was just huge up top. So the other night, I saw him hit that game winner, right? And, yeah. I, and I saw Durant and Kyrie celebrating, but I was watching, I was watching James Harden, and I'm like, what, what is off here? Because he's got that really big beard that makes him look really heavy up top, right? He looks, he's got that big, it's, I don't want to say big face because of that beard. He's just big face. And then I looked and it was his legs. His legs are proportionally wrong for the rest of his body. They're so skinny. They're, 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 they're skinny legs compared to the rest of them. I don't know how he gets it done night in and night out. That guy has got some incredible handles though. The way he's able to dribble around like that between him and Kyrie, I, those guys could do a halftime show like the Harlem Globetrotters while, <laughs> while they aren't doing anything because they could just dribble a basketball like I've never seen. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really impossible when we have all three of those guys out there to cover this team. I mean, I don't know if you've been seeing some of the re- – we've been shattering records every game. Mm. We had 27 three-pointers the other night. That's ridiculous. 27, the NBA record I think is 30. We were almost at the, all, the NBA record. We broke the Nets record for threes and that's what ha- and that was without Durant you put Durant in there maybe we get 32 threes mm-hmm. so it's it's exactly what you said is the way those guys can handle the ball there's absolutely no way with the screens that they're getting because DeAndre Jordan's one of the best screeners in the league he's a senior guy he knows how to do it without getting an offensive foul Jeff Green is another one he's been playing for 15 years and he played with Harden and Durant on OKC 10 years ago right so these guys set screens then you got the handle from Harden and Kyrie, there's no way to guard them unless you double team. And you can't double team because you would need eight players on the court to double team the three of them. So that's that's the problem that teams are having. That's why it's a free-for-all. And and also, Harden in particular is so unselfish. There's a lot of times he goes around, he could just go in and take the layup. He'll kick it out to a three to get one of those other guys a bucket, and they'll hit the three-pointer. So you're right. Between the handles and the screens, there's no way to guard this team. So what I want to see them do to give them more of a shot at winning the NBA championship is I, I need to see him get a tough guy. And I know mm-hmm. I know who DeAndre Jordan is. I get it. But I'm right. talking about like the Patrick Beverly kind of a guy. I'm talking about, uh, and I'll go back in my day, Dennis Rodman kind of a guy where you, where you got that guy who kind of sets the physical tone with everybody else and you know he's going to be the scrappy guy, the Nate Robinson type. I, I, I got to see him do that. I want to see him do that. And I think that that ticket is punched to the NBA Finals. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be. There'll probably be one guy like that. We have one right now. I didn't mention him. His name is Bruce Brown. He's been causing havoc in the paint. There okay. was a game. He's about he's about six foot four. He's a guard, and he started at center for two games when DeAndre oh. Jordan was out because he's a he's a dog. You know what I mean? He's in there. He's in, he's jumping on loose balls. He's shoving guys out of bounds. He's getting offensive rebounds. So he's one of those guys. But I agree with you. They're probably going to add one more who's just a physical guy. They did end uh, Andre Roberson, who is that type of defender. He's like a long defender that's not going to take any shots. So they just signed him this past week. Um, but the guys that, I, that I've been hearing about are the two guys that are big names. One of them is Andre Drummond, right? The Cleveland Cavaliers have decided not to play him anymore until he gets traded and he goes to a contender where he's happy. So that's one guy that's been coming up. And the other guy is Blake Griffin. Same oh. thing. The Pistons have decided not to play him anymore. Uh, that he's going to sit until he's traded. So I think it's going to be one guy, like you said, like a, a hustle player, and then one of those two, either Drummond or Blake Griffin. I don't, I don't want, I don't like the Blake Griffin name being thrown around at all. He's been very disappointing over the last couple of years. I think that last knee injury just took a lot out of him, and I, I, I hope it doesn't go in that direction. Andre Drummond, man, if you guys get Andre Drummond, ticket is punched. That's all I'll say. Yeah, is, is ticket is punched. Listen, right, so I, we, go- we don't. Well, let me tell you one thing: the, the Nets are going to be in the finals because the NBA. Listen, it's rigged. Just, just like you well. say with conspiracy <laughs> theories, the the NBA always gets the team that's the storyline of the season into the finals. Right. So when you got a team like the Nets that are so good anyway, what do you think they're going to want at the end of the day? First of all, they want Anthony Davis to come back from injury, right? So Anthony Davis will come back for the Lakers. They're the defending champions. It'll be Anthony Davis and LeBron. And they're going to get a guy, you know, they're going to get a guy at the trade deadline. So it'll be Anthony Davis, LeBron, and another guy versus James Harden, Durant, and Kyrie. And that's going to be the NBA Finals, my friend. Well, see, now you're trying to get me started on the Illuminati theories that I have running through my head. Okay, and and let me I'll just say this. Whenever I see Derrick Rose out there on the court for the New York uh, Knicks, I'm sitting there thinking, what in the world is that triangle doing right there in the middle of his neck, popping out of his jersey? (laughs) You know, the Illuminati stuff all over the place, John, in the NBA. Anyway, but we'll go, we'll go into there. Let's get into this, uh, the, the slate for today. And we're going to end up building a, what, a Laker-Miami Heat showdown lineup here at the end of the day. But we could talk about each one of these games and some of those fantasy implications that are on the NBA docket here for DraftKings. All right, so the first game up is the Golden State Warriors versus the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Golden State here, we have... Who, who, what's his name? Who, who's the point guard? Steph Curry. Steph is going back <laughs> to Charlotte where he grew up. What's I'm sorry. I had, I, well, I had a phone call. I had a phone call, so I was looking, and I got a little bit confused. Uh, going back to Charlotte, where, of course, Del Curry played for a long time, and we see all those little highlights of little Steph going around in, a, in Charlotte gear. He also played college ball over at Davidson, which isn't very far away from there. He, he usually gets about 40 points a night whenever he goes back to Charlotte, uh, uh, John. Yeah, I mean, look, Curry, for me, I do have a lot of experience with the NBA DFS. Um, before we get into it too much, we got the column back up and running now that we're in a new season. So don't oh, yeah. forget, Aaron Torres online, and I'll be doing the DFS column once a week, maybe twice a week if I get a little bit of extra time. Maybe if I decide never to sleep again, I'll, d- I'll do it twice a week. Um, so, you know, check that out. And we started last week with that on Sunday, so you're going to be seeing that. But I'll tell you, uh, Curry is a guy for me – that the timing has always been off when I use them in DFS. I absolutely like the matchup. So I agree 100%. Um, This is a team against Charlotte where he could definitely light it up. But for me, when I look at the slate, I go, who are the other guys over 10,000 in salary? Um, And um, am I going to use Curry 
versus those guys, right? So that's how I would compare it. So Curry's at 10,100 in salary today. For me, I'd rather play Damian Lillard at 10,600 because as you recall, our buddy CJ McCollum is out. So when CJ mm -hmm. McCollum is out, which he is for a while, Lillard gets so many shots and he also gets extra rebounds and extra three-point attempts. So for me, if I'm going to pick between the two point guards with the high salaries, I'm going to go with Lillard over Curry for today. I can understand that one. And I also, I, I love the mellow ball here going up against the uh, Golden State Warriors. I'm never impressed by their defense at all. And so I think that he could be really good at that $8,800 range. But I, I agree with you, Damian Lillard, whenever it's just the Damian Lillard show in Portland, he is unstoppable. And I'm going to tell you what, here, here's another little caveat. Lillard got passed by for all-star votes. Uh, and it's Luka's Luca's game now in the NBA. Of course, we understand that. Right. But, but Damian Lillard playing with a chip on his shoulder is always a good play for Danny Fantasy Sports. That's all I know about that. Yeah, I mean, Lillard is just, he's probably the most underrated player of the last 10 years, Le legit, because you, they've never had a team where we could say, whoa, we're going to book Portland as an NBA Finals contender. And let me remind you, just a couple of years ago, they made it to the Western Conference Finals and they did it with two guys. They did it with Damian Lillard and they did it with CJ McCollum. And that's do that's tough because that West is a tough sled, right? Especially a few years ago, it was really stacked. Now it's starting to even out. There's good teams on both sides, East and West. But they made it to the Western Conference Finals. They lost to the Warriors. The Warriors were stacked, whatever. But that was an accomplishment in itself. And Damian Lillard, he not only is he one of the top five or six players just on pure talent, the guy doesn't miss games. That's so hard to find in the NBA. You got guys that are resting. You got guys that have serious injuries. You got guys with minor injuries. Damian Lillard, Dame Dash, he comes to play, baby. So absolutely, I agree with you. And back to what you said about LaMelo Ball, here's a key factor, right? If you go back to my column from last week on Aaron Torres Online, the first thing you should be doing when you play NBA DFS, right, is go to the utility spot and look on the left-hand side and look for every single person that is injured that day before you make a lineup. Because when you go back and you look at the winners every day, because I like to check the results afterward, even if I'm not playing. Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. the winners always have, out of eight players in their lineup, five or six guys that are related to someone that was injured that day. So my point is, good call by you. LaMelo Ball at 8,800. Devontae Graham, who's a real good scorer for the Hornets, he's out today. So I like your play of LaMelo. And not to, uh, to mention uh, Drogic, he's still out for the Miami Heat when and Kendrick Nunn's really stepped up in the into play there. I would always pencil him in for about thirty points whenever Drogic isn't playing, especially against a Lakers team who doesn't have Dennis Schroeder. So that defense is going to be a little bit uh, lagging behind things in Miami. Right, and you see how these things connect. That's a great point that we what you just said about Dennis Schroeder is why would we play a Curry who's not going to get us rebounds, right? He's not going to get you too much in the big stats. He's not going to get too many steals, blocks. It's more about, is he going to get you 40 points and eight assists That's and a bunch of threes? Why would we play him when we could play LeBron at 10,200, knowing that Anthony Davis and Schroeder are both out, right? So LeBron's going to get you the rebounds, the blocks, the assists. He's going to do it all. I'd rather play LeBron at 10,200, Lillard at 10,600, than play Curry at 10-1. That's just me. Yeah, and I got to mention my guy Kobe White for the Chicago Bulls. I'm not really impressed by him, but last time he played against Sacramento, a season, a career high, I believe, of 32 points, 33 points, somewhere in that neighborhood. He's only at 6,100, so he might be a good play as well. Over on the shooting guard side of things, 
Mr. Frisella. And this is this is hard for me on DraftKings because they they let everybody be eligible everywhere. Everybody mm-hmm. is eligible everywhere. Aaron Gordon. Do you know Aaron Gordon for the Orlando Magic? Yes, of do course you, I know. I know everybody. Oh well, yeah. Uh, do you know that he is point guard eligible on DraftKings? <laughs> yes. I well, I can tell you why that happened actually because. They had so many injuries at the point guard position. They had a couple of games where they didn't even have one active on the roster, right? So if you back through that team, Orlando, Markel Fultz was the starting point guard. He's finished, right? At the time when Gordon was playing point guard, Michael Carter-Williams was supposed to play point guard. He was out. There, uh, there's a, there was a third point guard who they brought up from the D League or the G League. He got injured. So they, they literally didn't have one. So Aaron Gordon was bringing the ball up. So once that started... They made him eligible at point guard. So there, there was a reason. Normally, he would be small forward, as you know. But uh, he was forced to actually handle the ball for an entire game. And I think he had a huge game on DraftKings. I think he had 43 or 44 points on DraftKings. So that was the reason why they had to add that extra position to his name. Uh, Pierre and I, whenever we did the DFS Dreamer podcast for the NFL, we always wanted to hit three times the value. Do you have a value number that you like to hit on, on the Daily Fantasy for NBA? Yeah, I mean, you want to get around that that range if you can. But, I mean, for me, the way that I look at it more than anything else is you got to look at first how many games are on the schedule that day. And the first decision you have to make before you do anything is decide how many superstars do I need before I can start building my lineup, right? So, in other words, when it's a bigger schedule, if it's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 games, you don't need – three guys that are $10,000 or a 10,000, 9,000, 9,000, because you're going to have, when there's that many guys available, guys having huge games with a salary of 7,000 or guys having huge games with a salary of 6,500. But today on a five game slate, you might need two of those guys at the top in order to even have a chance. Because let's say like uh let's say a Westbrook, not that I want to play him. I don't like to play him when Beal is playing. But let's say a Westbrook goes off for 70 points, which happens sometimes with him with his triple doubles. If you don't have him in your lineup, you already didn't win. So that's so I like to start with that as opposed to 3x or 4x or 5x or 2x. I got to think, how many of these stars do I need in there to make sure I don't get weeded out by the fact that they're going to score 70 points and my team's already dead in the water? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. I like to get that five times value. I like to look for those cheaper guys and then go up from there after I get all my players in the lineup. So on, on the shooting guard side of things, of course, Beal, Levine, and Booker, all three of those guys are the big top studs and the big top dollar guys. Any of those guys jump out at you, you can go cheaper here with maybe a Gary Trent Jr. who's really played well since uh, McCollum has been out. Yeah, so Trent is getting a, a good amount of three-point attempts. Um, my concern with a guy like that is he's not getting peripheral stats, right? So, and this is a this is a good strategy to discuss in general. Anybody who's reliant on the three ball, you don't want to be putting more than one of those guys in your lineup because you could pretty much lock it in right away that one of those guys is going to flop. And to me, the purpose of playing DFS is to win the whole darn thing. It's not to win a few dollars here and there. So you can't afford to have a dead spot in your lineup if you really want to go for it all and win a big one. So a guy like Trent, you'd have to use him on his own and not have another guy that shoots threes in your lineup that doesn't get other stats. Trent is not getting a lot of rebounds. He's not getting the blocks. He's not getting assists. He's a two guard and a small forward. He plays off the ball. So yeah, I mean, he's, he's getting shots, but I, w- I don't love him. But I do love, back to what you said, that Sacramento defense is horrendous. 
I just saw them against the Nets the other night. You might as well put five zombies on the court, or you might as well put five <laughs> five people that are laying in their bed. Like picture like a bed that's being wheeled around. They're taking a nap. That's what it's like playing against the Kings defense. So that's why I like Zach Levine at 62. And I think you're right. Even though Kobe White, sometimes he struggles, you got to take a chance against Sacramento because they'll just let you walk in. They'll just move over and say, hey, here, we're going to part the Red Sea, take that little layup right down the middle of the lane, and we're not going to get in your way. So I like those Chicago Bulls against the Sacramento Kings' cruddy defense. Well, and the Sacramento Kings are missing Barnes, and I think Holmes is going to end up missing this game as well. So, yeah, they're a little bit thin right now, and and they may just be trying to outscore everybody, which I'm not sure that that is possible that that's going to happen. On the small forward, of course, we got LeBron James always up there at the top, and he'll be battling against Jimmy Butler, who's one of those guys who is just tough and gritty, and I think you and I really like a Jimmy Butler just because uh, we've seen him go from being the sixth man on the Chicago Bulls to now being an NBA star, an all-star, who's putting up triple doubles uh very often this season it seems to like he, he's taken his game to a whole nother level yeah and one thing i like to do with a team like miami right so as you're charting through the nba season you when you make these lineups or if you're betting right because i give betting advice as well you got to start thinking about what's this team's record right now and where are they supposed to be or where do they want to go or what are they capable of doing Right. So when you look at Miami, it's been a big disappointment for them this year. Uh, they've really struggled. They've had the injuries in and out of the lineup, a lot of mixing and matching and, and, uh, lineups that they don't want to have to have together. So they're at the, the point now where they're at 12 and 17. I mean, this is the team that went to the NBA finals and they gave the Lakers a good run with some good physical play. 12 and 17. They're not even in a playoff spot in the East, right? They're in 10th place. So they got to start winning. So the way I look at it is let's let's use you as an example, Wes. Let's say you're a, a player that's playing the lower stakes and you're doing dollar lineups, right? I say put 10 lineups in there, right? So you're in for $10. You're not really risking a lot of money. And put five Jimmy Butler and five Adebayo. Because I can tell you right now with, with Miami needing to win games, one of those two guys is going to have a big game. It's either going to be Butler in that triple-double range or it's going to be Adebayo with that 25 points, 10 rebounds, and three blocks, right? So that's the strategy I like to use is pinpoint the two guys that are most likely to blow up and then split them up. Don't put them on the same team because one of them won't do well. So that, that would be a strategy for you, my friend, is put that $10 in there, five Jimmy Butlers, five Adebayo, and see how it goes. <laughs> Well, actually, they both had a triple-double last night, John, I believe, uh, for the Miami Heat. So this is the second time they did that this year. A, a, a really an incredible amount of uh, poise by both of those guys being brought to their team right now with Goran Dragic, of course, being out. They got, they're got they just surrounded by a bunch of young players. I'm, I'm not sure what Udonis Haslam is doing anymore, uh, even on a DraftKings possibility or a builder lineup. But I'm going to tell you one other name. You got You got to look out for Bertans right now. Is that his name? DB for yes. Washington. Yeah, uh, it's 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 actually. You're gonna laugh at this. It's first of all, it's Davis. So his name looks like Davis. His yeah. first name is pronounced Davis. Yeah. So it's Davis Bertans. Yeah, I got Bertans. I got the Bertans. Yeah, you got I, that. I, I, yeah, I know. Yeah. But his first name is silly. That's very silly. Yeah, that's, that's true. But he has been red hot from three point land. At least last night he was, and he's he's hit fourteen out of the last seventeen three pointers that he's had. He's only at fifty six hundred going against that Portland team, and we've talked about them, and and we know that that's just going to be a shoot him out, bang him out kind of a game right now. So I, I like that Washington Bertans. I like him. Yes, I do. I agree. I like. I'll tell you why I like Bertans. His salary about a week ago was only forty eight hundred. And now he's up to 56. 
and I watched a Washington game. I believe it was Washington against Boston. Yes, I watched the entire game, and I noticed that they were basically encouraging him to just keep jacking it up. You know what I mean? He was mm-hmm. when you go to a new team, you know how it is. The guys that aren't super aggressive, they try to fit in. They don't want to ruffle any feathers. He, you know, he's on a team with Beal and Westbrook, so he's going to let them run wild and do whatever they do. But in that particular game, one of those guys was out. I think it was Westbrook was out that day. Uh, so they were trying to encourage him to shoot more and be more aggressive. And I think that's in his head now. So the salary's going up and the points are going up and he's giving you more. So, but that's a good example for you is like right now you have two lineups that you're building simultaneously. You're going to take a Jimmy Butler from the heat and you're going to put him with a Gary Trent. And then you're going to take an Adebayo and you can put him with the Bertons, right? Cause you're not going to want to put a Bertons and a Trent together. Like you said, there were two games this year with the Heat where Adebayo and Butler both got triple doubles. Yeah, that's two games out of their 12 and 17. That's 29. So right there, that proves the point that they're usually not going to blow up in the same game. That's a two out of 29 chance. So separate them and separate the Gary Trent shooter and separate him from a Bertans. And now you're building two lineups at the same time without having the overlap and you're limiting what you can do on those two teams, you know? I'm trying to comprehend what you're saying. That's what that moment was. I was trying to, I was putting it together. I was, I was looking like that Rodney Dangerfield, uh, beautiful mind moment that that's out there on the on a gif right now is what I was doing. So I, yeah, <laughs> right. I hear what you're well, well, that's what you want to do. You don't want to have like you're not going to make a lineup with Adebayo, Butler, and Hero, right? Tyler Hero. Um, if you put Tyler Hero in there with those two guys on the Heat, that's a guarantee that at least one of them is going to do nothing because oh, yeah. yeah, they can't yeah. all three of them have monster games. And there's a good chance that two out of three will not do what you need to do to make money. So that's what I'm saying here is you want to separate. You want to find these guys that are similar and separate them and make extra teams and do it like you do for a dollar, whatever, $2, $5, whatever the low stakes are. Because if you load them all into one team, that team is a loser. I like I like I don't I I like to root for the losers, John. Uh, power forward Anthony Davis, of course, is out. Gordon Hayward. I'm really shocked at what Gordon Hayward can get done in the NBA nowadays. And maybe this speaks. And I'm not saying that Gordon Hayward is a soft player or anything like that. But you know, he, he's listed in that power forward spot here for DraftKings. Just how the game has changed mentally in my brain from what it used to be. Because Gordon Hayward would have no business being down low in my '80s NBA, right, John? I mean, it just he, he would have no business being down low he would be a guy spotting up for threes he'd be a, a perimeter jump shooter there'd be no way he'd be able to be listed as a power forward in my nba oh you're 100 percent right i mean you're absolutely right i mean look it's the age-old debate right i mean I, I gotta tell you one thing no matter what you talk about and what era it is and what style they play no era has ever shot better than right now now right. i don't know if it was the bubble I don't know if it was the bubble because those guys couldn't leave. So all they were doing was playing basketball and they were, they got so many shots up. They became like robots, but I'm telling you the last man on the worst team. If you leave them open, it's a swish from three. You can leave a seven foot six guy open and he's going to hit a three right now. That's what, that's the way the league has become. So it's a little bit of both. I agree. I think those older guys, you know, the bad boys and the Rick Mahorns and the Dennis Rodmans, I think they would rough these kids up and they would definitely get inside their head. It would be more of a mental game. But then again, the way the floor is spaced out, and I was having this conversation with my good buddy Steve the other day, there's literally no way that you can even guard teams because they're so spaced out. So if you take the center out away from the paint, which is what they do now, so the center comes out, the offensive center, he goes to the three-point line. The defensive center has to come away because he can't get defensive three seconds. Now 
the guy on the far side drives to the basket and there's nobody there to protect the rim. So they've, they've literally created an offense where it's impossible to stop teams unless they miss shots. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, and I, so that's, I do. That's I what's exactly happening what now. Mean. So whenever I watch the NBA, I kind of get turned off from it, right? Just because I'm like watching right. it and I'm going, ah, oh, this is just, it's, it's just, it's, it's one-on-one or it's pass the ball around the perimeter. It's going to be either be a three or a dunk. So if I'm going to solve my, my problem of not liking to watch mm-hmm. the NBA, I think mm-hmm. I got to do one of two things. I, I, I either got to take away the three-point line completely, right? So it eliminates mm-hmm. that part of the game, uh, which makes maybe having to do different things uh, a better. Or I've got to put the three-point line back further, open up the court even wider, make it make it larger so it's even more spaced out, uh, just so I could see a bunch of people running all around and shooting it from, launching it from the, the rafters and, and trying to play a little Michael Jordan, Larry Bird off the rafters, Bouncing off the floor, off the backboard, nothing but that kind of a thing. You know, I, 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 it's got to be one of the two. Either I want to get rid of the three-point line or I want to make everything bigger and push back the three-point line. Yeah, well, you absolutely have one good one in there. there. There's no chance in the world they will ever get rid of the three-point line. They've already mentioned talking about a four-point line because these guys are so strong and they can shoot from so deep. So they'll never get rid of that. So we could throw that right out as much as you'd like to go back to the old days of Bob Cousy. And, uh, and all those guys from the 1950 Boston Celtics. But the other one, you're absolutely right. They're too good. They're too big. They're too strong. Their range is unlimited. The court is too small. And the three-point line is too short. So I agree with you 1,000%. They're going to have to do something. I don't know if they can make the courts bigger because you know they have to redesign the, the arenas because of where the seats are, the front row seats and the benches. They'd have to do all the redesigns. But at some point, either we'll have to accept that the games are going to be 140 to 135, or they'll at least have to give these guys a little bit more space because they're just too good. It's ridiculous. The best example, how about James Harden's three that you mentioned the other night to win the game? He was already three foot behind the, the, the three-point line. The game was on the line, and he was totally covered. He just stepped back about four feet and shot it from almost half court, and he reached with no problem. So that mm-hmm. tells you the court's too small. If he could just back up and not even jump, just flick his wrist and shoot a half-court three. I mean, it was like nothing for him. It was like a layup. So that shows you how small the court is. Well, and if you watch Damian Lillard, <laughs> who we talked about earlier, Damian Lillard, he shoots fadeaway three-pointers. He's he's yeah. always going backwards when he shoots them. And I was watching him do that the other night, and I'm going, whenever I shot the fadeaway a little bit, I was always trying to mentally tell myself to make sure I pushed it hard enough, right? got to push it hard enough because you're not in a step-shooting mode. You're pushing it away. So I watched Damian Miller do that, and I'm like, he is, he's got to make sure he pushes it hard enough. And I'm thinking, that dude is standing almost at the half-court line shooting a fadeaway three-pointer. How, how, how is that possible? And, yeah. and I'll also say this. You, you talked about how good these guys are. We talk about these players being good. It, it's not only the players, but it's also the coaches, the shooting, the shooting coaches, the people being able to figure this out and being able to implement it and demonstrate it for these players and making each one of these players unique. Like a Steph Curry, he shoots the three on the move fading away left or right. You always see him moving whenever he's shooting that a lot of times. There's no set shot in Steph Curry's uh, mindset. It's, it's amazing what these shooting coaches are able to do and get the best out of these players. No doubt. And, and the, the key point in all of it is what's called player development, right? So 
even I, I I'm one to admit I'm pretty open-minded. You know that about me. I, if you want to talk to me about different strategies and different futuristic ideas, or if you want to go back and talk about the past, that's fine with me too. But even I was a little skeptical of player development like eight or nine years ago. Right. I, I think right. all of us kind of felt like if you drafted a guy, you knew what his ceiling was, but you could only get so much out of a guy like, you know, their game is their game in basketball. That's actually gone completely out the window. And uh, the first example I always think of is Pascal Siakam from Toronto. Yeah. Uh, five years ago, he was the eighth man on their bench, right, when Dwayne Casey was the coach. And he was a garbage man. He would just come flying in from the weak side, try to get an offensive rebound, and put it in. That was the only thing he could do. Within two years, Toronto was already gone through Kawhi Leonard. He came and went. And Pascal Siakam became like a point forward. Like, like what we used to say about a Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom was like a rare breed that he could, or Scottie Pippen, uh, mm -hmm. a tall, long guy that could bring the ball up and play all five positions. Out of nowhere, within two years from player development, Toronto turned Siakam into a guy that could dribble, dribble, drive to the basket when he wouldn't even attempt a shot outside of two feet two years before that. So that's, that's the way the game is changing. That's like you said, credit to the coaches and the guys in the front office who said, you know what? We can do a lot more with these guys than you think we can turn them into players that you never thought they could be. So that that's the development of the NBA right now. Yeah, Serge Ibaka is another guy that jumps out at me whenever you start talking about that. I remember him early on for Oklahoma, and, and he just got so many different blocks. He just played down low, and now all of a sudden, if you watch him, I'm going, the, guy, the guy's scared to go back into the paint again. He just wants to live outside the three-point line nowadays. Serge Ibaka is another name, and both of those guys are power forwards, John. And on this slate today, on the power forward side of things, we do have Anthony Davis out. We do got uh, Lord Markkinen. He's out for the Chicago Bulls. I, whenever I look at the power forward spot, I'm really looking at that Phoenix Suns team, and I'm thinking about Darrow. In a, in a spot like that, you know I like these cheap sleepers. So I, <laughs> whenever I look at Darrow playing and he's back on the fold again, uh, I know that Memphis just is struggling down low right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, he's 3,500, so you got to find some guys. And and for those of you listening, if, if Wes is speaking in his own language, he's referring to Dario Saric from the Phoenix Suns, formerly of the 76ers at 3,500. I mean, look, you know how it goes in a situation like that, Wes. If you want your backup center, because he plays backup center for Phoenix, yep. if you want your backup center to do well in DFS, you're going to need one of two things. You're going to need the starting center to get into foul trouble, right? So that's always possible, but you're going to need it. It's a random night. So you needed to work your way that night. And you also might need a blowout in either direction, right? So he's not going to have a game because they have Chris Paul and they have Devin Booker and they have DeAndre Ayton. They have all these and bridges. They have all these guys that have to get their touches first when everyone's out there. So you need some sort of game script that helps you get Saric into 20 to 25 minutes where he can get you 30 DK points. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's always possible. You're going to need somebody down there at 3,500. Denny Avdia is down there as well from Washington. He's a he's like an energy player, like a hustle player, a rookie. For them, he's at 3,500. And then you got the other guy from Phoenix, right? You got Cam Johnson, who's a, another youngster. He's only been around a couple of years. He's at 3,700. Same idea. You would need Phoenix to either win by a lot or lose by a lot or somebody to get in foul trouble, a Bridges or an Aiton to get into foul trouble, and then you'll get the right bank for your buck at 3,500 and 3,700 on those Phoenix Suns. Oh, don't forget about my guy. What, how do you say his name? Bajelchi? Bajelchi. Bajelica. Bajelica. 
<laughs> this, is fun. this is fun. This is better than this is the better manta. than the NFL. Yeah, the manta by Delica. Bajelica, right? You got the first name is one hundred percent. But yeah, Bajelica. He's uh, when you give him minutes and you just leave him alone, kind of like Bertans, because they are similar, right? They're like the same height. They both can shoot threes. They both, if if you get them to be physical, they can do it, but they don't want to. Both of those guys really don't want to. They want to hang around the three-point line. They want to play a little bit of perimeter basketball. Um, but, yeah, if you just tell them, hey, you got your minutes tonight. Tell them up front. You got 30, 35 minutes. You just take it. When you're open, take the shot. Don't hesitate. You get a, If you get in there for a rare offensive rebound, put that thing right back up. Put it right in the basket. Don't even worry about kicking it out. So that's what that's when you get Bajelica to play well. So I agree with you. His salary also went up. He was the other night 3,800. Now he's 4,700. And that probably goes to what you said is Barnes and Holmes will probably both be out. So if those guys are out, Bajelica is going to get more shots and more rebounds. Well, the marketing's out too for the Chicago Bulls, and and so that gives a opening there for Bajelica to be able to play pretty well. And he and he lights out the other night, thirty-five DraftKings points, so he'd be able to pay off that five times the value. And at center, John, at center, I think the uh, overwhelming favorite here is Bam Abadeo uh, with a- Antonio Davis out. But we can't forget about what Volkanit. Vol- how do you say his name? Vucevic. Vucevic is that, is that it? Yeah. How do you have so many? Yeah, see, you're the like the English guy here, but these are all foreign names. And whenever I see this, the, I I call him Jimmy V. That's that's who he is in my head. He's Jimmy V in my brain. So that's Jimmy V. His first name is Nicola. Why is his first name Jimmy now? You just well, changed his know. first it's, name. It's it's got a J in there. So I, whenever I'm playing my DraftKings lineup and I'm trying to remember people, I, it's just it's JV. It's Jimmy V. Whatever pops up in my head first. I'm going to run, take a quick work call. So run us through the centers and, uh, and I'll pick it up when you come back. Oh, it's going to be solo right now. Don't forget to follow John, uh, John legend. I said it, I said it. He, he left the building and I said it. Don't forget to follow John for at legend sports seven on Twitter. You could also follow me Wes easily at loafing it on Twitter. Don't forget to follow show at FI today with a little underscore there, head over to anchor FM. It happens to be on the iTunes app that you like to sub- subscribe to podcasts on, uh, just go ahead and subscribe to it right there. And you can also look at the iTunes app and leave a review, leave a comment, all those things. Slap those stars around for us. We really do appreciate it. On those centers, you do have Big Bam here. We're about to build you a showdown lineup between the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers in just a minute. And I really like Bam tonight with Antonio Davis out. I I know he, uh, John's keep talking about not putting Jimmy Butler and not putting Bam Abadeo both in the same lineup. But I think you could do it this evening with a little bit of success because Jimmy always likes to make those impressions on on LeBron James and I, I I think that LeBron James playing against him Jimmy Butler always it always gets the best out of Jimmy Butler and as far as JV goes against Phoenix Aiton is playing lights out for a center and I don't like playing JV tonight at 7200 he'd have to get you 35 40 DraftKings points I think he could do it but I just think there's a little bit better value I'd actually like Aiton a little bit more tonight with Phoenix at 6800 but if I'm scrolling down here I'm looking at a Thaddeus Young at 6,000, uh, 6K. He can get me 30 DraftKings points this evening. Um, he's he's not only played a little bit of center, but he's playing that power forward as well. Sacramento is thin in that upper line, so I really like that one. Um, and Brandon Clark has also been playing good for Memphis. Uh, I know he's going to be in that backup role a little bit, but he's only 5,500. It's going to be hard for him to get to that 25, though. Uh, that, that, that's I like Olnick. Olnick. 
Ke- uh, Kelly? Kelly Olenek. Olenek. Is that how you Ol- say it? Olenek. 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 I knew that. I knew that. What kind of name is that? Is that, you think he's uh, Swedish or something? Yeah, that sounds, it sounds like that's somewhere, somewhere from that area. I actually don't know what the background is. And I got to tell you, the pronunciations, I got to credit my man, Ian Eagle. Right, you know Ian Eagle. He does uh, college basketball. He does the NCAA Final Four and the and the tournament. He's the Nets' primary play-by-play announcer for many many years, oh. and he he also does the NFL. So he does a lot of Jets games for CBS. So I have to credit him because he's an expert on the pronunciation of the foreign names. And mm. I've been listening to him do the Nets game since I was like eight years old. So I learned a lot from him. So I can't, I can't even take the credit. I just use his pronunciation because I know he gets paid to do that. Uh, you know who, who's unbelievable? Doc Emmerich, uh, the yeah. hockey guy. Oh unbelievable. my, unbelievable! My, da- I made my daughter sit there and listen because she likes to read. She's a really smart kid, really smart kid. And I said, hey, just listen to this guy for a minute because that's the only reason why I watch the hockey. Really, is is just to be able to listen to Doc Emmerich because I could just sit down and listen to him talk for a long time. And she said, how does he know everybody's name? How? Do-? And she was amazed by this. Uh, John, I was mentioning all these different centers, and one guy I failed to mention was Alex Lynn, who's getting a lot of playing time in Washington. I believe he's starting for them right now. He's at thirty nine hundred. Uh, for a five times value, I think he could get to 20 points fairly easily tonight against Portland. Right. You just got to be careful with him because it's been a fluctuating situation for Mm -hmm. Washington, right? So you have Robin Lopez is the only guy who's safe at the center position for them because even if he doesn't start, he gets his guaranteed minutes off the bench. So if you watch what, cause I watch, I've been all the games. I've really been into the NBA this year. I like that they're back on their regular courts. It feels like normal basketball. I, I had a hard time with the bubble and the squeaking shoes on the floor and all that stuff. So now that they're back in the real courts, I've been watching Washington will play Robin Lopez no matter what, because he's very stable. So you bring him in off the bench, whatever it is, 20, 22 minutes, you know what his game is going to be. The other two guys keep switching. So if you look at Alex Len's game log, you're not going to see when he doesn't play. So if you click on DraftKings, it doesn't show you when they play zero minutes. So there was a couple of games where he played zero minutes recently. However, yeah. last game, the other guy is Mo Wagner, right? Now that, that's another pronunciation for you. His last name is spelled like Wagner, and it's yep. pronounced Moritz Wagner with a V. So uh, he's the guy who's been starting. So you got to be careful. You have to look at the, the news maybe about two hours before the game and see, is it going to be Mo Wagner or is it going to be Alex Len? And whichever guy's not starting, they might play zero minutes. No, you're right about that. And I fell for that trap the other night. And I think that the uh, Washington Wizards are laughing at my DFS lineups because I, I, I played Mo the other night after he played so many minutes. I was like, okay, cheap salary. And then bam, he didn't play any. And Alex Lynn started. And so now whenever I mention Alex Lynn, boom, it's going to probably be Mo. It's going to probably be one of those every other night things or something. I don't know what they're doing in Washington, man. It's driving me crazy. Hey, we're going to build a showdown lineup, though. All right? You want to build a showdown lineup? Let's that, do it. That... Let's do it, baby. Let's get right. let's get that so done. Let's, let's go to Miami and the Los Angeles Lakers. And I'm just going to tell you, this is the kind of stuff that I like to play on DraftKings because it really narrows the field down for me, and I'm mm-hmm. able to concentrate a little bit more on right. these players. That doesn't mean I have any success whatsoever. And I like to go with the 50-50s <laughs> instead of the tournaments. But uh, <laughs> I do have success. Some, so you get a little bit hotter some nights than you do at the other nights. But uh, it seems to just always break even by the end of the year in the NBA f- uh, field anyway. So 
Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers, if you're not sure how the showdown captain modes work, you got to throw the name in there for the captain, and it's going to be a little bit higher salary. I'm not sure how that salary works. Is it one and a half times the salary? Yeah, it's one and, I think it's one and a half times. Yes, sir. I know they get one and a half times the points for that night, so you get a little extra credit as well. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you looked at this beforehand, but talk me through who you like putting in your captain role. Yeah, so it's it's relative game to game, and I do have a lot of experience with the showdowns as well. In this particular game, well, first of all, we know uh, Anthony Davis is out. For me, there's only three guys. Like, there's certain games where I'll go down as far as six or seven guys on the list as far as who could be the captain of my team. In this particular game, in this matchup, I think you're either going to need to have LeBron, who obviously is the highest salary, so that's going to be tough because you're going to need to mix in some low guys with him, or the two guys we talked about before, splitting them up, Jimmy Butler or Adebayo. That's for me. Those are the only guys I'd be able to use as captain. I wouldn't feel too comfortable with Kyle Kuzma. I like him. He's a good energy player. He's playing with a lot of energy right now in particular, but I don't think he can get you enough points out of the captain spot for you to win. And the next guy up is Tyler hero. I don't think he can get you enough either. You would need a night where he gets five or six threes. So if you're going to play it safe, you got to start with LeBron Butler at a bio. Um, I would say just for the sake of doing it for the show and giving us some more salary, I'll put Adebayo in the captain spot for me. Who you put? Yeah, in? I usually like to take a captain out of my 50 or 45 point range. And I think that those three guys, LeBron, Jimmy, and Bam, all hit in that area. So if you don't put one of those guys in there and you can make up the points and the salary elsewhere, you're really going to be behind the ball. If, if those guys get 50, 75 points in the captain spot, you're really going to be hard-pressed to try and make it into the top half of a 50-50 or even uh, be paid out in any kind of tournament format. So I like your Bam Adebayo pick there. That's who I have in one of my lineups, John, as well. Yeah, and and I think what you have to weigh is, like Wes said, the 50-50s, you want to play a really conservative lineup because everyone's going to do the same thing. So, like, you pretty much have to have LeBron on your team because everyone's going to have LeBron. So if you don't have him and he has a normal LeBron game, you just eliminated yourself, right? So if we have Adebayo as the captain, now we have LeBron as our second guy. You agree with that? Yeah, I do. Um, and I, th- it depends on which lineup it is. I actually squeezed about 210 points out of this where I put Bam and Jimmy in there together. And I know you don't like to do that. Um, uh, but for this night, I-, I did like that. Maybe maybe LeBron, I'm not going to say skates through this one a little bit, but I know that Jimmy Butler against LeBron James always gets Jimmy's juices flowing. Yeah, and it's different for the showdown. For the showdown, you might be forced to use Adebayo and Butler. Uh, it's different than when you have five games to pick from. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, of course, for the showdown, you might just need to use the best guys and then squeeze in the low salaries with them. You may not have an option to do otherwise. When you got five teams, you have an option to space out the usage because it's very hard to get those high salary guys on the same team. Good example. It's very rare that Beal and Westbrook both do enough in the same game for you to use them in the same game when you use like a five game slate or a six game slate. So that's a, another example of that. So like, all right, I'll, I'll go with you. So we'll we'll work together on this. So I'll put Jimmy Butler in there. So now it lowers our average salary for the remaining guys to thirty five hundred. So that's where we got to make a tough choice. So I'll pick us a low guy. Let me get down here in the weeds. Um, I don't like Wesley Matthews because he never plays well, even though he gets a decent amount of minutes. He never does anything. Um, the guys below him are pretty bad. There's only one guy below twenty two hundred that I would even consider, and that's Achua. Right, the rookie Achua, he Achu, Achu, Prince Achua. So uh, yeah. I, 
uh, it's tough to put him in there. But because if you're going to use Jimmy Butler, it's making your salary so low, you don't really have a choice. So for me, I'll go with Achua because he gets minutes and he plays with a lot of energy. So he's at 2,000. So now we have uh, Adebayo, uh, Butler, Achua, and LeBron, and it gives us an average of 4,300 for the remaining guys. Who, who do you like down there? Um, I, I'd like to put Duncan Robinson in there right now, mm-hmm. even though he may not be playing uh, consistently red hot. He's still getting a lot of three-point attempts, and he was on fire the last time he played, and against, um, uh, I can't remember who it was against, but he made a lot of three-pointers, and so he was on fire, and I think that sometimes once I find a guy who's finding his rhythm, especially against the Los Angeles Lakers, who I think are going to be weak on the perimeter right now tonight without a Dennis Schroeder there, without in, uh, without Davis, so LeBron's going to be down low a little bit more. That's going to free up Duncan Robinson at home to be able to shoot the lights. Or No, they're in Los Angeles, aren't they? I still yeah, like Duncan Robinson. I still like Duncan Robinson. He's getting up a lot of three-point attempts, so I like him for 5,800. Right, so if you put Duncan Robinson in there, that leaves us with 2,800 salary. The problem that you have there is your best option is going to be Iguodala, who plays a, a fair amount of minutes off the bench for Miami. That's going to fill your lineup to the exact dollar amount. Uh, with $2,800 in salary there. The problem is if you go back and look at your team, if you make it this way, you're going to have five Heat on the team and only one Laker. That's probably not going to work for you, right? Oh, and because that, that it, for me. That works for you? <laughs> Maybe it might, it might not, I don't know. All right, so, all right, so let's do that. So, you, so you're going to take Duncan Robinson in the fifth spot, and then you're going to take Iguodala as your last guy. And I'm going to have to go against my own work because I don't have a choice. I'm going to have to take Wesley Matthews as my last guy. So you oh. got Adebayo. I don't know if you're going to use Achua, but there's nobody else down there for 2000 Uh Butler, LeBron, Duncan Robinson, and Iguodala for you, and I'll swap Iguodala for Wesley Matthews. Okay. I ran this through a, a simulator or an optimizer, a, a little okay. optimizer earlier, and they had LeBron, Jimmy, Kuzma, Gasol, Tucker, and Caldwell Pope. Caldwell Pope in there. I, I didn't like that lineup at all. I, I know the optimizer probably knows more than me, but I just didn't like that lineup. Yeah, I, I would say that you're probably not going to want to have Butler and Adebayo on the same team. We're back okay. where we started because just because you see what it does. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to need a scrap to have a game that you're not expecting. So you're basically just flipping a coin, not even. You're playing like 20% chance that one of those guys is going to have a really good game. Whereas if you take out a salary, so if you got out of bio as your captain and you're going to take Butler out of there, then, you know, like a Marcus Gasol right now with Anthony Davis being out and Schroeder being out, that's a pretty reasonable salary for Marcus Gasol because the Lakers need him to do something. They need, he's, he's been hitting his threes. Even though he's a giant, he's been hitting his threes and you can get some assists out of him because he's a good passer in the post. So, you know, it does open up for those medium salaries. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, a tricky slate for sure. But there's a lot of ways to mix and match. Oh, John Frisella, it is good to talk NBA with you. Good to talk football with you and a little bit of world events as well. So it's always good to catch up with you during my second cup of coffee on a Saturday afternoon. Always my pleasure, my friend. Speaking of coffee, I'm about to run out to the store and I'm going to go get some to pile up. So next time when I come on the show, I won't be asleep. Hopefully I made it through this. I don't even know what I said. And my eyes are basically closed. So hopefully whatever I said on the show makes sense. Uh, it made perfect sense. And you can follow John on Twitter at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. You can follow me as well at Lofinit. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today. You can catch all of John's uh, articles over on AaronTorres.com, right? Is that is that what it is? 
Yeah, Aaron Torres online. Yes, online, yes, sir. Online, yes. Uh, and you can follow John's uh, articles that he writes over there weekly and bi-weekly coming up really soon if John's life ever gets back to normal, which <laughs> maybe we, we might not be able to get two, two articles a week. Uh, don't forget to follow the show over on Anchor FM. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, if you like it on the iTunes app, make sure you slap those stars around, leave a review, and leave a comment. But more importantly than all those actions, Fit Fam, we always want to encourage you to go out into the world and find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today.